the Bitterfly Podcast. Knowledge is food, bitches. Eat up. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bitterfly Podcast. Today, we're talking to Steve. Thanks for being on. This is super fucking cool and also kind of sketchy, but I'm excited for you to talk about uh, this dangerous life that you have lived. For legal reasons, this is a joke, the whole thing. But, um, Steve, do you just kind of want to, like, share with the people, like, where you've, where you've been? So, I guess, uh, the perspective that I'm trying to give is how we started, or how I started on, God, it sounds weird saying selling drugs, like, in a mic, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm giving a fucking deposition or some shit. No, it feels like something you should never do. Um... You know, it started out like everybody else selling a little bit of weed to your friends because they needed it. And then it became a thing where you can make money off of it, so why not? And then realizing early on that you're taking a risk every transaction you're doing, whether you're making money or not, just made me realize you should probably be making money if you're doing or choosing this kind of lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're buying weed and your friends want to buy it off of you, you're like, okay, well, next time I need to buy more. Right. Might as well have a supply. Might as well make some money off this transaction instead of being a middleman and going back and forth. You had an entrepreneurial mindset from the start. At an early age, yes, you should definitely realize if you're doing something illegal, you should get something out of it. So you started selling weed in high school, and it was just to your friends. Did you do any other, like, fun shit when you were, like, the wee age of, like, 12, 13, 14? Um, you know, just kind of smoked some weed, dabbled into a little bit of ecstasy early on, like, 15 years old. Didn't sell anything, but it was kind of like, you know, we ate it for fun and just strictly to weed because i was still kind of like i don't want to be serving other stuff it's bad moving on into college watching a lot of my friends move on to like kind of harder party drugs kind of made you think well damn there's like a lot of money being made there and you know it's being purchased so it's best that it's in my mindset i was thinking it's better if i know where it's coming from they're doing something that's safe and un it's like it's I mean, most of the stuff is pretty stepped on, but like at, like at least you can guarantee some like, like a certain quality, and I don't know it's not just a bunch of, a bunch of trash drugs that people are doing. So it was kind of like doing a service for your friends. It was like a little bit of quality assurance. You know what it is. I mean, you know what it is buying through multiple drug dealers and then most of them being unreliable. Sometimes getting ripped off, or you're not even getting what you're buying. And so it's like seeing a lot of that. You're like, well, fuck that. You could just move it proper and move you know, in a smart way where everyone's happy, you're making money and they're getting what they want. It was a void that I saw that no one was moving properly where I'm from. So I was like, well, shit, I got to go do this. You saw a gap in the supply. Exactly. And a strong demand. Yes. He's a businessman. I didn't even look at it as that. It was just more of like, I'm just helping my friends out. But yeah, I guess <laughs> once you start putting money to it, everyone becomes a businessman. Yeah, right? Okay, interesting. Selling weed is just like you're serving it to stoners. The worst that's going to happen is dude gets too high, doesn't hit you back, and you, you, you're left with a bag of weed that you already had. You know, no, it's not like it's that big of a deal. But once uh, you start moving on to harder stuff, you get a sketchier clientele base, and yeah, the risk is definitely a lot higher, and it's people that you don't really want to see. It becomes less and less of people that are your friends and acquaintances and becomes more strangers and just like clients and yeah it's just gross do you ever get like robbed 
speed up. One, one time. <laughs> one time? And this was when I was uh, selling some weed. Uh, it got really sketchy. I was being super reckless with it. Uh, I was selling weed to whoever and whenever. I had a drive through window at my house. Wait, what? At that point, I realized, I was like, okay, like, I'm being really sketchy. Yeah, yeah like, I didn't even, I wasn't even, like, walking out of my house, and they weren't even coming into my house. <laughs> I, so we we had a property that was really close to the school and it had a perfect little driveway that like circulated around back and like right when you pull up to the front there was my bedroom window and it like slid up like a fucking McDonald's. Get your weed and get out without even having to like turn your car off. So it was pretty sweet. It was really efficient. But you're like an unmoving target when you're selling out of your bedroom. Looking back at it in hindsight, that was probably one of the most idiotic choices i could have but i was only selling weed at the time and yeah i uh, unfortunately i got robbed at my house with me there oh my god you were there i was there i was literally on my way back from a lab and i was gonna just you know chill smoke eat and then go back to my lab and during that 45 minute interval of me being home i sold a few sacks and then i just yeah people come in Four people, guns pointing. I had my roommate there with some of his friends, which probably shouldn't have been there, but they were there and they kind of caught the issue too because they were just there. They're in the back, like playing video games. Like that was the worst, just knowing they were just completely in their own world, enjoying life. And I'm over here on the other side of the house dealing with some fuck shit. And all of a sudden, he comes out back and he's just realizing the whole situation like, oh, there's some sketchy people in the house with guns looking for shit so did anything happen to you or were they just like step aside we're gonna uh it was on some like real movie type shit like i was sitting on my couch reading a fucking email or whatever and my buddy actually answered the door and uh the people robbing did not even know what i looked like they asked my buddy if you know (laughs) i was if that was me and i'm over here hearing this in my house like who the fuck's coming here that doesn't know me and then all of a sudden i just Here's some tussling going on. He gets pushed through the door, and then three more guys slide in, all fucking bandanaed up, looking like they're trying to rob. And I'm like, oh man, this is like some Ashton Kutcher shit, but for real, like I'm I'm really getting punked right now. What happened? I had a decent amount of money on me at that time. I sold all of my weed almost. I think I only had like half a pound of weed left, so they were like really unsatisfied with what they rolled up on because they were expecting me to like be rolling in pounds like this dude took a knife to my mattress thinking i was like putting money in my mattress at that point in my life and i'm like dude like that is like some major they thought you were like a mobster yeah because they like they pulled up they only found like you know a a certain like a little amount of cash and a little amount of work or weed and they're just like well damn like where's everything else and so they started fucking knocking ceiling fucking boards like doing like the whole night Store that shit up yeah dude they like they fuck my room up and then at the end of it they leave i'm like we're just on the ground like they're just fucking robbing shit out of the house and they pistol whipped my roommate and i so we had to go to the hospital that night because we were like fucking bleeding from our head and then they're asking us like yo what the fuck's good with your head what do you say people don't yeah people don't just have wounds like that so then we were just like yeah we just got we just got robbed and they're like for what and we're like i don't even know like so like what i'm gonna tell them like oh yeah i'm out here selling major weed like i just got robbed 
So then we go back to the house. They send uh, a police officer to evaluate the situation. I'm pretty sure the officer already knew what was good. He just looked around and was like, how much weed are you selling? And I was just like, I'm not selling any weed. And, he, and then he kind of gave me that look and was just like, all right. And then I didn't hear anything of it. They were just kind of like, whatever, a drug dealer got robbed. Yeah. We're just going to chalk it up like that. I think that's something that like prostitutes deal with too. Like if they, oh yeah, definitely. People are like, well, you, we're doing something illegal. Who cares that something illegal happened to you? You know, and it's like, um, I'm still a person. Yeah, no, they all they always try to find a way to justify uh, some sort of just like such shitty situation for whoever is on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's just like, hey, you know, like someone still got hurt, someone still got robbed, like. So, this is like back in the day when like weed is illegal. Like weed had been legalized really fucking anywhere yeah this was still when no i guess that we just got legalized but it was still really taboo it wasn't like like what it is now like it was still kind of like medical was still you know a thing but yeah, nice to see how mainstream weed has gotten yeah hell yeah <laughs> everybody it's cool that people are accepting of it and they're not like oh my god like they're smoking weed did you have any like clients that were like dope or, or I don't know did you rip anybody off in the old days because they didn't have like a dispensary to go do a price check I've you know what I mean always kept a really fair business model the way I see it you're already making money when you're doing whether whatever you're selling whether it be hard drugs or weed I mean if you're doing it properly so there really shouldn't be any need to rip people off or do anyone dirty that's kind of how you perform bad business and get a bad reputation and then leads to other things and it's just like you you don't need that you're just greedy at that point if you're trying to rip people off mm -hmm. um but yeah back to the client yeah i definitely met a lot of cool people from you know doing doing what i did it was just you'd have to like wean through them because there was some cool people and then like well, you're in like a sketchy just... business because you're making money off of people's bad habits essentially yeah definitely and it's like you don't want to sit there and, and preach to them like hey you shouldn't do this because it's directly <laughs> going to affect your bottom line like they're literally buying something from you every other week so it's like how are you going to tell someone to stop giving you money but at the same time you have morals and, and standards and you're like i would never do this but yeah it's it's a weird headspace to be in when you see people actively destroying themselves over and over again and you're kind of there holding their hand yeah you're like i'm here for you yeah, i'm here for you but not really yeah you know what i mean so it's just bottom like, line is dependent on you having right bad habits right <laughs> so back in the day it was like ten dollars for a gram when you go to the dispensary now it's like the more you buy like if i'm gonna go buy an ounce it's not like you know 10 times 28 you can get a better deal yeah but like was your business model like that <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like if you if you copped all the time like shit there'd be times when customers are short on money and i'm like damn you know what i'm gonna see this motherfucker the next day so it's cool like have one on me but yeah i mean it's it's not like it's like life or, I, I was fortunate in the position where i didn't need to do this for money it was more of like i don't want to say i was doing it for fun but it, it, it was kind of like I was up until a point where I did get in a situation that I needed it for money, but yeah. Well, what was that situation? <laughs> so I got caught somewhere. I got caught with some drugs and I got hit with a pretty bad position to be in as a, I think I was like 20 or 19 at the time. I didn't want to let my parents know, obviously, cause I was like, shit, I can't be known for selling drugs. Like no one's even ever done that in my family. So I was going to try to handle everything. You got caught selling drugs or you got caught doing drugs? I got caught selling drugs. I ended up having a class B felony hung over my head. And this was the same time I was like, oh God, I need to 
get a lawyer, pay off the fees, you know, whatever else comes of it. And then I got, I got robbed, like I was saying earlier. So like, I was really going through some shit in my twenties. So check it out. At one point I got hit with a felony, thought I was going to be able to take care of it with whatever money I had. We'll go back to school, start hustling some more, get robbed at gunpoint. So then now I'm, I got a charge over my head. I got robbed at the school, no money to pay for anything. And then on top of that, I'm like really scared to be at the school. So now I'm like in transition of like, man, should I like stay at this school? Should I, you know, finish or, you know, whatever. So I was like, man, I'm like halfway through college and I'm like a college dropout. I have a felony over my head <laughs> and I have no fucking money. And so it was just, yeah, a really fucked up position to be in. That's when I transitioned from, I was like, all right, like weed's cool, but uh, I need to make money really fast and like quite a bit of it. So that's actually, <laughs> that's so on brand for America. The fact that like you got caught selling something. So you had a, a potential felony. So you had to sell more. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was one of those things where it's like you see in a movie where someone gets fucked over in a really you know desperate situation they go do this it wasn't like i'm like i come from the hoods or the projects like i come from a pretty well-off family in a good neighborhood like this wasn't like one of those like oh my god like this kid was grinding from you know age eight to whatever it was like it was just kind of one of those hobbies that you see other people do and if you can see yourself do it better than them you're like well why not try to dabble in that and i never really thought about the end game of it until all the sketchy stuff started happening and I was like, wow, I was only kind of thinking of this is fast money. This is really easy. The status and the, you know, all, everything else that comes with it is really cool. But when you start thinking about the sketchier sides of, Hey, I could be facing X amount of years. I could potentially not see my family. I'm destroying a lot of people's lives. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm contributing to someone's bad habits. Like all those things start to weigh on you and you're like, damn, that's really not worth it. Yeah, uh, I just looked this up. A class B felony can result in up to 10 years in prison? Yeah. Or a fine of $20,000? I don't even know how recent this article is. Tell a 19-year-old kid that, that you're facing up to 10 years and you got $20,000 in fees and blah, blah, blah. Like, you'd probably start picking up a bag and start selling it too. You up the ante because you're like, fuck, I need money. What did you start selling? Because you were only selling weed up until now. Yeah, so I started selling cocaine because I was like, everyone is doing this. It's one of those drugs where it gets used up really, really fast. The way I saw it is I need a drug that has a fast turnover rate, right? Like smoking weed is like, yeah, you could buy, you know, a bag of weed and you can smoke on it for a day or whatever. But like these people that are out here buying coke, they're probably doing it all in like one or two nights, if not that night, if not right then and there. So you see that how fast the turnover rate is and it's like damn these people need this stuff like it's maintenance i've seen people flip like an eight ball in the night like they just get it and they dump it all out it's like boom 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 yeah yeah i mean the high only lasts like what 30 minutes to an hour like an hour if you're lucky yeah and and, and like the the market for that kind of stuff it's so it's such a stepped on market where even if you have anything halfway decent people are going to think you're god or something because they're just so used to this stepped on shit. <laughs> stepped on, you mean like it's been cut? It's been cut, it's been re-rocked, it's been, you know, there's a bunch of additives in there that you probably don't even know that you're doing, but you are. Common things that people cut cocaine with? Uh, I see a lot of amphetamines. I have a lot of friends that are still in that lifestyle, so um, I see 
that happened still right in front of my face and so it's like you know cut with math yeah it's cut with math it's cut with speed it's cut with anything that's going to give you that kind of tweaky edgy feel and like a lot of people unfortunately they're so used to amphetamines that they think that's like what cocaine should do but they're really just i mean it's just the same thing like people taking xanax out here and they think they're getting high on xanax when there's probably fentanyl or whatever else is in there oh so sketchy yeah so you started selling coke yeah what kind of profit do you make off coke like can you break it down like how much do you buy like you know what i mean and do you break it down yourself or it's already been cut yeah so like if you were to move it at a profitable level i'd say anywhere between an ounce of that you could make or even like a, a quarter ounce of it seven grams to 28 grams you can make money off of it Whereas opposed to if you were to buy an ounce of weed, you could probably you could probably sell that whole ounce of weed and make like maybe 50, 80 bucks at max. Whereas if you were to sell, a, you could sell a gram of that Coke for 80 to $100 a gram. And how much did you buy it for? If you're buying it in bulk, you could probably get a, a nice price around like maybe under a thousand announced how much cocaine would somebody buy at one time right like a person will buy it like a gram at a time you got some people that are buying for groups of people and these are my preferred customers because they're a little bit more on the business side of it they want they're, they want to do it obviously but they also don't want to pay for it so they'll usually get a big group of people to come out and throw in on an X amount of, of cocaine and then they'll pull everyone's money together and then there'll be that one guy that comes and hits up me or whoever, you know, is, is serving them and it's like, hey, I want a larger amount. For example, if you go to Wingstop, right, and you're buying a 10 piece of wings for yourself, it's probably gonna be like 12 bucks or something. But if you wanted a whole party pack, like 60 wings or something, it's gonna be way cheaper because you're buying so much more. Yeah. So it's, it's the same, it's the same principle as like, you're buying a larger quantity so you're going to get a better price than someone else that's buying like a gram or a half gram but if you know there's 10 20 people that need half grams why would you go and middleman the half gram every time you could just go and buy a whole ounce of it yourself and then just break everyone off and then you'd have free cocaine for yourself or whatever you want to do with it that's true so basically if you spent like a grand on an ounce of cocaine that would be like end up being 35 bucks a gram. And then you're saying you for 80 to 100 a gram. You sell a gram. Holy shit. So you could, yeah, you could already tell by that markup. It's like you're making $65 for every $35 you spend. <laughs> yeah. That's like, should I be a coach? Yet? No, I'm just kidding. You got money put away for a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Sky's the limit. So back to that. You up the ante you're like i need to start selling some hard shit so you start selling coke what else did you start selling uh i was it was more like the party drugs right so after cocaine it was like oh people are like oh do you have molly and it's like okay yeah yeah molly and then it's like oh do you have adderall i need it and then it's like okay cool and then it went from like that to acid to like dmt at one point i always kind of felt like the party drugs were a little bit better to to move just because i mean if you were to sell someone like heroin or something, they're probably not gonna go shoot up heroin and go hang out with people, you know what I mean? It's not like a yeah. party thing. Whereas like, if you sell someone an eight ball, they're probably gonna go hang out with people. A healthy social life. In a sense, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> some of these people, I could tell like they were taking it too far and you know, they were just buying Coke to do themselves or even to go home and smoke it or something. So like, you really don't know, like you can't just say like everyone's taking the bag and having a good time. Cause some people really be fighting with some demons. That's another side of it. It was seeing the the gradual like growth of like someone's bad habits turn into 
something that's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if it's like reversible now. It's like, it's like making a Frankenstein, but. Yeah. Did you have any personal experiences where you introduced someone to something and it just went so like horribly wrong? Um, most of the times people that were coming up to me at that point in my life, they were already pretty seasoned and experienced drug users, so to speak. <laughs> they weren't like looking for their first bag. They were like, yeah. oh, we know you have the shit. Like, so I don't think. In a sense, you like trust them as a consumer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, there's another thing where it's like, just because you sell a bag to someone doesn't mean the sale's done right there. You have to think about, is this customer going to be responsible with it? Is he going to overdose? And are you potentially going to be getting a call from someone because you were the last text message or, you know, the fact that you buy bottles from the store and they tell you like, Hey, don't operate. You know, this is on us. It's kind of like the same thing. Like I don't tell my customers that when I sell them a bag, I just expect them to be responsible to, yeah, to realize like, Hey, this is drugs. You could die off this shit. Like don't overdo it. You wouldn't sell drugs with a warning. No, I wouldn't. If I had to warn you Not for pregnant women, exactly. If I had to warn you before you were purchasing this bag for me, I probably wouldn't sell it to you just cause it was like, you were a liability. How did you pick your clients? So when I moved on to the harder stuff and after I got robbed, I started moving a different way. Cause I was like, yo, you can't just be serving anyone, especially when it comes to stuff like that. So it was usually like someone that you knew really well, referred to with a friend, or you just happened to like catch them out at a mutual spot where you know there's like sketchy activities going on and they're like, okay, they've been at the spot multiple times, like nothing bad's happened. So yeah, you can usually trust them like that. But usually, yeah, it has to be like a friend of a friend and you need to get like verified before you get served up. You gotta get that blue check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's interesting because you're like serving people this like product that is like really fucking exciting in in the right scenario right mm -hmm. like like you're everybody's favorite fucking dude <laughs> for i mean like for a second <laughs> for, for like a moment you got to really think about this it's kind of like a and i realized this early on like not everyone's your friend and some people are always going to ask for a handout and want something out of it so you just kind of have to move with that in mind that people are talking to you nice and treating you a certain way because you have something that they want. But the, but it's like the sooner you realize that, the easier it is to like call through other people's bullshit when they try to talk to you all nice and shit. It's like, I don't even fucking know you. How do you do separate your clients from your friends? It's a very weird line, I'll tell you that. Definitely like seeing friends kind of take it a little too far and are excessive with it and don't know how to like control themselves. And it, 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 go, it, it goes beyond the line of like them partying and having a good time to just like them being an addict and them not realizing it or admitting to it so they're just like i'm just still having fun but it's like is it fun dude like so you gotta do a lot of like trusting your gut a lot of just like observation you just kind of have to like you don't really you just have to watch how other people move and how they carry themselves in public or even when they're just one-on-one -on -one with you yeah and uh interesting let's go back to that because i was really uh what you just said was really interesting that like the sale's not done it's not done. Like people still remember your face. Like the receipt is still out there in a sense. As soon as you serve that bag, whether they do it or all or not, it's kind of like, all right, you still put that out there. You still did something illegal. There still might be a chance of that coming back to bite you in the ass. That seems scary. It's like every new person you met and sold to, like every additional client you brought on was just like- You're really rolling the dice every time you acquire more and more clientele. But it, it's kind of one of those things like, how are you going to get money if you don't get more clientele? So there's like that risk factor. That's true. 
Especially, like, when you're in a college community. Super small. Do you ever have anybody, like, approach you in an inappropriate place? You know the answer to that, because I told you, <laughs> yes. I was in class one time, and I had a, I had a customer that followed me into my building and i'm like yo what the fuck are you doing here man like you're not even in this major asking for some blow at like the mid-afternoon like on a tuesday probably not guy you know <laughs> like i would love to take your money but you need to reevaluate yeah your own situation not the time and place. yeah this is not a friday night and you're not yeah this is we're not at a party like i'm fucking trying to go to class damn so it sounds like you gained an interesting perspective on like humanity yeah, it was just like you see like the real fiendiness. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> like you see like <laughs> the fiend and all. Yeah, like the inner fiend in people and like how desperate and how like gross and just how bad of a cycle that wash really is. I call it a wash because there's cycles to it, right? There, the people will get the drugs, do the drugs, feel happy, then they'll feel guilty or whatever that they did all these drugs or they're being a piece of shit and then they feel bad for themselves so then they need the drugs again to feel good and then they're just back in this fucked up cycle until you literally get washed up and that's and then people are like yo that dude is washed up that is the meaning of someone being washed up right there well did you ever have to be anyone's therapist you're literally seeing people at like their highest and their lowest points yeah uh i felt like i was prescribing people their medicine at one point because you would really see how dysfunctional they'd get without like, you know, a small bag or whatever, like that they needed to get through their day. And, and they'll sit there telling you like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need this and tell you how good they're doing. And they, this is the last one. And then you get that phone call again. And then it's all, it's all, it's like a love hate thing, right? Cause it's like, cool. My phone rings. That means I'm getting money. But then it's like, oh damn, it's this guy again. Like we just, we went over this. Like you're like, no, we just talked. You told me you were done. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> fuck man. That's such a weird relationship, again, because it's like you... It's awkward, because you, you could see how like much truth was in that statement, because they really believed it at the time. They really, really want to stop doing it, but then... That's just like the addict mind. Just comfortable with that cycle, because that's just what they're used to. That's such an interesting like place to be, and I thought about that a lot, just like with my history of partying with my friends. I'm like, yeah. you guys, let's have a good time. Let's get fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, but in order to get fucked up, we're like hurting ourselves. So it became this thing where I was like, why do I want to like encourage myself and my friends to like hurt ourselves? How we have fun together yeah. is just like get faded, hurt our lungs, <laughs> yeah, I, fuck with our serotonin levels. Just know? be real depressed, don't eat the next day, like lose sleep. Like, yeah, I don't, you know what I mean? I think that's all cool at a certain point in your life. But once you get that out of your system and, and you kind of realize like that's not what a good time really is, it no. just, you know, because some people are really stuck in that mindset where that that's the only way they can have a good time. And that's what they're used to. So if they do anything else, it's considered not a good time. But in reality, like, like you just said, you're literally destroying yourself. You're not thinking about yourself in the long run. You're disregarding other people. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're fucked up, if you're drinking and driving or, you know, you're on drugs and you're driving, you're up in the chances of you hurting somebody else, whether you think you're going to hurt somebody or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just inevitable. Like if you're going to crash into someone, you're going to crash into someone. Yeah. Well, and for you, it's like, they're going to buy drugs no matter what. So like, do I make a dollar off of it or do I let someone else make a dollar? Right. That was like kind of my way of like 
justifying it for my in my head that like hey i know you're doing something really really scummy to the community like you just said if you're not getting it here you're gonna get it somewhere else so might, might as well be me making the dollar than somebody else and that's unfortunately how every drug dealer thinks and that's why every drug dealer is still out there doing all that so did you ever have to stop serving people you're dealing with like a, a vulnerable population that's got a lot of money to blow generally, especially like college kids. They're not working for their money. It's, you know, it's a call to mom and dad or whoever's supporting them. And it's just a swipe of a card. So you're talking to people that don't have a sense of, you know, what the value of a dollar is. They don't, they haven't worked. So they don't know how hard it is to make money. So they're just spending money. They see their friends spending money. It's one of those things where they see a really privileged kid that, has funds out the ass and he's just swiping his card left and right buying this and that and they really really want to like be somewhere in the ballpark or like even be mentioned in the same category as those people so they'll go try to be reckless with it and spend and then you know they end up developing really bad habits within that four years of college not learning anything and then they're just like damn i'm just an alcoholic and i'm addicted to drugs like and I have a degree though, so that's cool. You know, that was so. fancy piece of paper. Yeah, that says I can do shit. But I really fried myself to the point where I can't even like do a normal basic function without hitting up my guy and getting a half gram of blow to get my day started. Yeah. So did you ever have to, you know, you're like playing therapist with people and some people are like, I'm sure incredibly aware of their like self-sabotaging behavior. But did you ever have to say to anyone, like, look, I I will not serve you anymore? Yeah, um, actually, one of my good friends from elementary school, unfortunately, kind of got into some problems and issues. And I noticed it early on in our college career. And I had to, you know, tell him from a friend's perspective, like, hey, man, like, I love, like, taking your money. But <laughs> at the same time, like, I would rather you be around than you giving me, you know, this measly ch like ch uh, chunk of change every other week because you want to go do this and that and uh it was cool because he actually hit me up recently and told me like hey man i didn't understand why you were cutting me off back then and telling me no but now like looking back at it now um i'm really glad you were looking out for me like that when i cut him off and told him no he it was still like you know like we were saying earlier if you're not going to get it here you're going to get it from somewhere else so he just went and started hitting up somebody else and has continued that habit and unfortunately it's become kind of an issue now but you know it was like even when you try to nip it at the at the butt of it or whatever you sometimes you just can't stop people's poor life choices whether you you steer them in the right direction or not right do you have any guilt over like the the dangerous opportunities you gave people yeah i in a Yes and no, because like I knew what kind of risk I was doing by doing what I was doing. And I'd hope the person on the opposite end of the spectrum buying the bag knew the risk that was entailed. For example, like I was out in Virginia one time and we were just hanging out um, in our hotel. This was after a, a, a show. One of our buddies throws a gram of cocaine on the table and says, you know what? Um, that's just whoever wants it, you can have it. And my buddy literally grabbed it really quick. And we're like, yo, what are you doing with that? And he's just like, I don't know. And we're like, bro, you're just grabbing felonies off the table and you don't even know what you're going to do with it. That's cool that you got free drugs, but like, if you're not going to even do it, like, why are you holding on to Like, why are you, you know, putting yourself in that risk of potentially getting caught with some drugs in, in an area? I mean, we're in fucking Virginia. Like, 
this is like, I don't even think weed's legal out there. I'm just like, yo, bro, like, come on now. You, you out here grabbing felonies <laughs> off the table and you don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> and I just thought that was funny, but I was like, wow, that's like, and that's like one of my friends. I'm like, damn, I bet you a lot of people act on impulse and just kind of like, they see something and they're like, oh, well, it's like, you know, like, for example, like a sorority girl, they see a bunch of their friends hitting Coke off of a plate. They've never done it before, but they're in that situation where they're like, oh, well, everyone's doing it and it's free yeah. it's right here i'm gonna try it yeah and then that that one try you could oh my god right because if there's like a fucking grain of fentanyl in there like weren't, weren't you in a sorority didn't you see some girls get washed up i was in a sorority and i never actually witnessed anyone in my sorority getting the washing fun because they were not <laughs> What other, like, let's talk about the fun shit, dude. Like, you fucking had a shit ton of money at a time where people are generally, like, poor college students. What did that afford you? Um, I mean, you know, I didn't have to do groceries ever because I was eating out every night. Never bought groceries. Didn't buy groceries. I, okay, so I bought, like, drinks and stuff for my fridge, you know what I mean? But, but like, as far as, like, cooking a meal at home, no, that wasn't even, like, a thought in my mind because I was like, well, fuck that, like... I don't have to. Uh, yeah, it was just, like, I don't... I didn't I didn't like doing dishes, first of all. It's, like... And then, yeah, it was, like, fuck it, you know? So did you take, like, any fun trips? I definitely traveled a lot. Uh, got to pretty much go to any show that I wanted to go to at that time. I feel like the money really gave you the freedom of uh, being able to like help out other people when when they needed it. Like, like the best thing I did with that money, I felt like was when my friend came to me asking for a loan because, and this was for like a legitimate business because they couldn't get a loan from the bank the traditional way. I don't know if their credit was fucked up or something, but they came to me asking for a loan and I was like, yeah, no problem. And it was just cool being able to do that for your friend without any like, sweat on your back or you know i literally totally forgot about it and then he was like oh yo here's the money and i was like oh word like thank you yeah that's so cool you like sponsored a legitimate business yeah that's sick yep got to see some cool shit uh got to see <laughs> the coolest shit i got to see was people and how they were reacting at their like you said at their lowest and their highest points <laughs> that's that's just some shit you can't see on hbo or buy or it's just you just have to be in the room with someone and just sometimes we're not even saying anything i'm just like looking over at these motherfuckers and they're buying and i'm like damn you are disgusting but i'm learning so much from you i had a lab coat on and i'm just like watching rat a and b you're basically a sociologist and seeing how these psychoactive drugs affect people differently yeah that, that was probably the, the coolest thing out of it yeah besides the the money and all the other stuff that's wild so did, were you doing drugs while you were selling them? Like, were you getting high on your supply? I definitely experimented with drugs early on in my teenage years. So it really kind of uh, got that curiosity out of my system by the time I got to college. It, like, I've, I've already tried every drug that, like, people fantasize or talk about when before they get to their freshman year in college. So I wasn't like, oh, my God, I need to go do this. I need to go do that. Yeah. At one point, though, I couldn't smoke any weed because I was in some legal issues so i definitely did drink and do cocaine a lot more than i should have there was this one week where my friend i'm just gonna call her uh actually i'm not gonna even put her name out there we went on like a seven day bender where it was like just me and her and we killed like seven grams in <laughs> seven days 
I don't recommend that for anyone, not even like a seasoned drug user, because like we weren't getting no stepped on shit. It was like pretty decent stuff too. Like it was was, like septal perforation at the end of this seven days. Like that would burn a hole straight through your nose. I don't know, honestly. I should probably go ask my doctor to see what's good (laughs) with all that. Like gotta go to your ENT. Yeah, I definitely felt like something was weird after that, and like we both agreed like never again after that. We were like, yo, that was like. I don't know what the fuck was going on with us but <laughs> i don't yeah and we like ever since that night personally i just don't really dabble with cocaine just because i was like wow that was like really gross cocaine is like low-key making comeback i i just recently i mean during this pandemic i've heard of a lot of people being like yeah i, I got some blow i'm like where what i mean i guess cocaine never dies yeah i mean unfortunately it's i think it's drugs like that are very one-dimensional uh you kind of so you do it once, you already kind of know what to expect you do it the second time, right? It's not like you do coke on a Monday and then you do it on a Friday and all of a sudden, like, it's so much better on Friday because, like, it's, you know, it's like, dude, it's, you, it, you experience it once, you've already experienced it a million times. People literally repeat line after line like it's going to. Do something different. Yeah, exactly. So solve their problems. Yeah, yeah. Like at that point, you got to really separate yourself from like, okay, I'm a recreational drug user to like, I'm just a user because if you're using recreationally, you're probably trying to experience something new or like you've never done it before or you don't do it very often, so you're trying to, you know. But when you already know what to expect and you're just doing it still, like, don't sugarcoat it. You already know what you're doing. Like, you just got bad habits. Like, it's cool. I feel like most people do. It's just most people don't like to admit that they got. Some fucked up habits. Oh, yeah. We've all got bad habits. Yeah. Whether it be you eating fast food, too much caffeine, you smoke cigarettes or, you know, whatever. Like everyone has their own poison that they pick and they let that kill them slowly. But I think some like cocaine or it's just like, can you really see? I mean, you could probably drink coffee until you're 80 or 90 and probably until you die. Right. But can you really see yourself waking up, doing a bump being like, (laughs) all right, you know, like going to go to my fucking knitting club. Like there just comes a certain age where like the social stigma to cocaine is just not cool right it just becomes taboo you party in college like binge drinking is fine the second you're out of college suddenly you have a drink oh, an issue right but the issue's always been there it's just how we we saw it you know right. what i mean like we just didn't label it as an as an issue how would you compare your because you sold you sold psychedelics and you sold hard party drugs how would you compare like the demographic so the crowds that usually buy psychedelics like mushrooms acid dmt they would generally stay away from stimulants like they didn't really they didn't find pleasure in like cocaine or molly or anything like that they would just be like yeah i'm I'm more into like psychedelics but then you'd also have this other crowd where they only do stimulants and they're like i'm afraid of psychedelics because of like and i honestly think it might be because of how many how much like coke they do it's like they have so many fucked up thoughts in their mind that they think like if i do some psychs i'm gonna i don't know if you've ever done psychedelics before but like when you do it kind of like makes you evaluate yourself a little bit more literally flips yeah you turn into a book and you're like peeling through the pages of your own life and you're just kind of like maybe some people that are that party that way with stimulants too heavy these people are on edge you know what i mean like they look like they're out there having a good time you know drinking snorting off of random plates and surfaces but like <laughs> in reality you already know once that line hits and drop them off a cliff they're just thinking inside their mind like i probably shouldn't do this but i'm doing it here i am again and then it's just like oh god like you could see that thought process in some of their their, their eyes and you just feel like god i want to help you but i can't yeah you know what i mean like there's really nothing you can do yeah I 
remember I went through like an acid phase and it was so it was so fun. It was so eye opening. I never abused it. I always used it as like thought of it more as like putting on a different pair of glasses. I would tell people who were nervous, like they're like, I don't want to have a bad trip. And I'd be like, so don't. Like, yeah, that's like, on you. If you're going to have a bad trip or not. Like you with your cocaine story, there was this one time I did way too much fucking acid. I was the only person at the house that was on it. It was not fun. I thought my dog looked like an emaciated chihuahua, and I knew she was so cute. I like, I knew in my head, I was like, this is the cutest fucking dog in the town. She was still a puppy, right? My eyes are showing me like a homeless, sad, like, dog <laughs> a homeless sad dog she just looked like i said an emaciated chihuahua my eyes are lying to me right now but man it was literally a trip i was just like yelling out random countries and city names and like uh, i was talking to people i never met before but their faces were morphing into people i knew that's what happens started talking to them like this girl i hadn't i i did not know her at all i'd never met her before but i started talking to her as if she was my friend from sixth grade i was like do you remember like this pe teacher and she was like what the fuck is going on with you you're in psychs with people that aren't on your level usually is not the preferred uh, environment holy fuck uh, yeah i mean like you could literally read emotions and thoughts like you, they don't even have to say anything to you you could be just frying and they'll look at you and you'll be like all right i get it i'll leave yeah you know you already know you already know the vibe literally you can like feel the auras of other people and their emotions like things that they aren't even like aware of it it's definitely like a valuable experience to have but again i took it too far <laughs> did too much and now i'm kind of like i'm good i i had that experience What's the last time you've taken acid i assume uh i mean i'm sure knowing me i did it a few times after that that was the last bad time where i was like you know what girl got too fried i got too fried it was embarrassing to be honest like people the next day were like I didn't know if you were okay. Like, I didn't, like, people were saying they didn't know if I was going to have, like, a psychotic break. You know, just get, like, stuck in psychosis. On psychedelics, your sense of reality fragments and you, like, can't return back to regular life. That's funny that you brought that up because, so, our senior year, um, some guy uh, wanted to try DMT and he smoked it. And usually it's, like, a 15-minute kind of you know you smoke it you come back have you ever tried dmt no but i've heard it's like really really brief profound it should be really brief anyways yeah this dude smokes it and like an hour in he's still like gripping onto the fucking couch we're just like at my buddy's like you know we're in a frat house at this point and it's not like the cleanest and so he's just kind of like looking around like getting grossed out at like and this dude was not talking for like a solid hour and, and like my buddy looked at me and said dude we broke him he's done <laughs> And I mean, he finally came back too, but that shit was kind of scary. It's like you said, like sometimes people get so sauced up that they might not come back. And we thought that might've been a situation right there. Well, have you heard that can actually happen to people? Like if you say for instance, schizophrenia ran in your family mm -hmm. and say it was, you know, gonna be like late onset. So psychedelics can speed that up and might, you know, you might be in your 20s. Speaking of acid and bad trips, I unfortunately had a friend um, take some, what he thought was acid and ended up doing some real uh, life-changing things. He, uh, long story short,
uh, killed his partner that he was with at the time. Holy fuck. And this was on what he thought was acid. And um, what was crazy is I had a reporter actually hit me up about his case and you know, we FaceTimed and we talked about it and she had reason to believe that he took an RC, a research chemical. So it's like anything that can like mimic whatever drug it's, it's like fake drugs essentially, but it works, you know, like you're so still going to get fucked up on it, but it's like a different analog or a different, like it could just be like one or two molecular structures away from like Molly or MDMA. So like it kind of is like Molly. I'm just using Molly as an example. Like people do this with all sorts of shit. Um, but in his case, it was acid. So like he took something that was supposedly kind of like acid, but from the police reports, it sounded way too crazy and he was way too high for way too long for it to be just acid. Well, not only high for too long, he killed his girlfriend. Yeah. Holy fuck. Like some crazy shit. But the, you know, that's like also one of the things that you kind of have to like prepare yourself for when you're dabbling with these kind of substances like that's kind of what entails like there's no guarantee to this shit it's not like you could take a receipt back to your dealer's house and be like yo <laughs> yo this acid wasn't hitting right bro like what's good with that like yo, no one knows what's good with this shit like yeah it's getting moved in you bought it you ate it like you know what i mean shit's moving like clockwork like there's no guarantee to this and i think it's silly that some people think that there is a, a like a warranty or some sort of like quality insurance like your drugs pass through the fda and you know this is uncut yeah it's just it's funny when some people try to talk like that it's like yeah i'm sure you know well yeah i mean it's a super fucking sketchy business no one wants to even like first of all no one wants to put their name out there to be like oh yeah i'm the one that brought this shit in it's like it's a very hush hush kind of thing where it's like I brought it in, but I don't want anyone to know that I brought it in. Just give me my fucking money, and then you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Yeah, like, so my like, hands are Exactly. Clean. It's like, you think you think in a market like that, there's anything, like, integrity or any quality assurance when people are just... No! Oh, my God. Drug dealers are, like, not known for being the most caring folk. <laughs> See, and that's the part of the reason kind of why I got into that business, because I was seeing how heartless and how cold it was. And I was like, yeah, I know it's a real cutthroat game, and it's a doggy dog world, but you can still treat it like a proper business and, and build real relationships with people without it being just, fuck you, take this, give me my money, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I feel like you were like a good Samaritan dealer in that like you actually cared about you gotta, people. You gotta look at it, someone as like, that's still a person, and yeah, money's cool and all, but is it worth someone's livelihood? Is it worth, you know, their life? Is it worth fucking you know whatever else that all that bad shit that comes with people not thinking about when they're doing so you got to think about it for them sometimes like you being a, a dealer like whoever's coming up to you they might not even be thinking about like what the fuck they're gonna do after they cop the bag you got to look it through like yo this person looks like he is on some sketchy shit i'm probably gonna say no even though you want to take that money but it's you know it's just better for you in the long run and better for them so it's like a win-win situation yeah. Like, they're not getting in no stupid shit, and then you're not getting in no stupid shit. So it sounds like you had, like, the fun clients, people who were like, I want to have a good time, or, like, see something new. Mm -hmm. But then you also had, like, the rinse cycle repeat people who are just suffering escapism. And th those are the best clients, unfortunately, <laughs> because you know that that's, like, your bread and butter. You know they're going to come back every other week. It's, like, that's, like, your... It's like pre-orders, like before you even go and re-up, you already know Joe Schmo over here is going <laughs> to buy 
X amount this week. So it's like, it's already said for, it's already sold. It's, it's already accounted I feel like for. people are also willing to like pay to have a dealer they trust too, you know? Uh, I, I didn't really realize that until I kind of got a little bit deeper into it. And I was like, wow, like the inconsistency of a lot of people. And they'll straight up tell you, they'll be like, yeah, I called up like six other people and you're the first one to answer. Well, because usually, like, dealers are getting high on their own supply, you know, so they're, like, also not reliable. They could have done all their shit already, and they don't have anything to sell to you, or they just, or they're just like, I just don't want to sell it to you because I'm lazy. Like, like I literally know people that they will get calls, and I'm like, yo, bro, your fucking phone's ringing. And they're like, yeah, I just don't care right now. <laughs> I'm like, dude, for real? I'm not doing anything. They're like, yeah, but it's whatever. I'm like, you gotta, yeah, get that, but, like, think about the other guy, like, if he if you don't answer, he's gonna call somebody else, and then they're gonna go to somebody else, and they're gonna keep going through them because we're creatures of habit, and it's just yeah. But I don't know. Some people don't think like that. They're just like fuck it. I don't care. I don't want the money right now, so I'm not gonna answer it. Yeah. No, I love that your like entrepreneurial tendencies just like kept coming through. You're like, come on, man. What did this like experience turn you into? Like, did you ever worry that you were like, you know, riding on a very thin line between like doing good and doing bad um it kind of like it kind of fucked me up in the head for a little bit just because it was like yo you're doing something really really bad out here but then i started really digesting it and thinking about what what i was doing and it's like you know legally dangerous so hurting people there's a bad social stigma to it but then there's also like a really beautiful side of it where it's like like you said you are learning entrepreneurship you are running your own business you are having responsibilities you know what you're i mean working yeah you're networking like you're doing all these things that you you could be doing on a legal basis but you're not because you're moving something that's illegal but that's the only difference is the product that you're moving or the service that you're selling or whatever you're providing it, if you take that mindset and apply it to other things it's really applicable and i think that that's like shit dude that's like what you would learn if you were to pay for a college tuition <laughs> did pay for a college tuition and then it's like pretty comparable most of the things that you learn in school, I felt like I got a good lesson in in drug dealing. And that was like a full-time job. It wasn't like you pulled up to class for an hour. It was like, damn, I'm at the grocery store and this motherfucker sees me and like, he's, he, might, he might be trying to ask for a bag and I'm with someone that might not even know that I do this. Yeah. It's like, fuck, man, I'm out here pulling some Hannah Montana shit. <laughs> You're looking away like they're all, yo, yo, Steve. And I'm like, why the fuck is that guy saying Steve? And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck that guy's on? So you basically learned just as much in your full-time job as you did in school. Potentially even more. It definitely taught me a lot of social skills, a, a lot of way, a, a lot of ways to like talk to people in a, in, in a nice way, even though they have nothing like productive or even like <laughs> anything to add to the conversation that's like relevant. <laughs> so I feel like when I have kids, I'll know how to like deal with them. <laughs> Those are good lessons. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody who is like potentially knee deep in like the position you used to be in? You know, like they're dealing with feelings of guilt. They're like, uh, uh, it's not for everyone. You should take it. Like, I mean, you should just, it's, it's very situational with everyone. It depends on kind of where you're doing it what like you know what time frame you are in your own life if you got kids and a wife and all this shit like probably put the put that shit down you know what i mean like but but like you know if you're if you're you know a young kid that has no other options and 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 i'm gonna put this out there i definitely had other options i just didn't want to 
go and, and, and like work a nine to five to like pay off my lawyer fees at that point in my time. Because I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to, there's not, I can't, there's not enough time in the day for me to trade to make enough money to, you know what I mean? Like I just ran the numbers in my head. I'm like, there's nothing I can do to pay off that kind of money. So like, sometimes you got to think like, man, like, yeah, this is illegal, but it's also kind of worth it. Yeah. So like what happens? Why did you get out of it? You, you're not currently a drug dealer. This no, is, thank God. I'm a bigger and better and more legit thing. I happens. pay taxes now and shit. <laughs> uh, I work a normal job. I'm a normal person. If you saw me, you would probably would be surprised that this is even coming out of my mouth. But um, kind of, you know, you got to look at it. It's like gambling, you know, it's like when you're already up and you didn't, receive anything too fucked up you didn't lose a bunch of money you didn't you know go through anything too crazy the way i saw it was like i'm already ahead i i can leave unscathed i wasn't like on some like contract where you need to be doing this and, and this that and the third so i was just in a very unique position where it was totally up to me it's like once i graduated it was like you can continue making fast easy money but then always having to look over your shoulder and potentially getting that 10 to 20 years or you could just be like hey that was fun you gained a lot of wisdom and whatever else out of it you got to do a lot of fucking free shit um just call you know just cash it in and call it good was there a turning point for you where you were like fuck i gotta get out or did the whole thing just get kind of bored uh, i'd say right around my senior year upon graduating seeing less and less of my friends doing it and then it becoming more and more of like people that had problems and just seeing like those type of people needing it all the time it just became it wasn't like it just didn't seem like the recreational users it just became like on some real needy fiend shit so then it was just like it's weird to say the fun left out of it but like yeah the, the, it just wasn't like fun anymore it was just like wow like this is really just sad this is just sad i'm just i'm just supporting this guy's fucked up habit and i'm just lazy so, cause I don't want to be working a real job. So I'm giving this guy this substance that I know is bad for him. It's probably what McDonald's feels like. Yeah, that is literally what McDonald's does. We serve billions every day. Larger scale, smaller severity. No one's putting a gun to your head saying you got to go buy these drugs or you got to go buy a Big Mac. Like this is all by choice. True. You know? Well, and I think we're all, everyone goes through like a scummy phase in their life. You have to scum it up. Oh yeah. And if you don't, it'll come. And when it, <laughs> and when it does come, you might not like who you become. You got you to gotta like have a balance. You got to know professional self and then you got to know your scum self and then you got to find that healthy in between. Motherfuckers yeah. <laughs> go crazy getting them corporate jobs fucking punch numbers in and they're just like yo dude i fucking hate my life and i'm like damn like i thought you had everything figured out and it's just like no nah, like some people it from the outside it looks super easy i'm assuming where everyone looking into like oh a drug dealer's lifestyle super easy you don't do shit you just pick up your phone and make money and it's yeah. like yeah that's like 10 percent of it and then the other 90 percent of it you're just being sketchy waiting on calls there's this meme where it's like SpongeBob just sitting at a diner by himself, looking all like like this, and, and the <laughs> caption's just like, "Did I pull out or whatever?" Just that is the feeling that you get ninety percent of the time as a drug dealer, because you're like, "Oh fuck!" Like, is this person gonna fuck me over? Is, is you know what I mean? Like, is this is today the day I'm gonna you know? So it's like you gotta wake up every day, almost anticipating that like, "Hey, today's the last day." You could be in jail. Well, I'm glad that you got out of it and you're on to more like legitimate things. But I do think it's really interesting to hear like all the shit that you learned. Like you got to see 
like, I'll just keep going back to this, a side of people that, like, not everyone gets to see. Like, they're drug dealers, they're therapists, and what, probably they're doctors and lovers. It felt like their dad at one point, yo. Yeah, like, those are the people that see, like, the real... Yeah, yeah. And, and you know they're not showing that vulnerability to anybody else because half the people don't even know that they got problems like that, you know what I mean? They just feel cool with you because they, they know that you know that you, they got a fucked up problem, so they feel comfortable sharing you know a day-to-day -day with you opposed to like their girlfriend or even like and it's kind of weird because it's like dude you be you you live with some chick and all this shit you guys live in the roof you're dating her but she doesn't know you know like she has no idea that yeah as much xanax yeah or whatever right and, and then like you got like some random dealer that like knows you like the, your whole life story just because you come through and cop a bag every other day how how are you more comfortable opening up to someone like that than your own girlfriend? The first time I ever got high on weed, <laughs> I was with a friend from school and we met up with his friend, just a drug dealer named Anthony. Mm -hmm. I never met him again. I have no idea who he was. I think he was in med school. Is that even his real name? Probably wasn't even his real name, but like that guy like lives in my mind still. Like I'll never forget the first time I got high on weed. I'll never forget my first time on weed too. You're making memories of the people. The first time being high on weed is like being high on some hard drugs. Oh, it was wild. I remember being in dreamland like, oh, this is so cool. And it's so true. Like we're all just chasing our first high. Yeah. I chased my first high for like seven years before realizing like I can't smoke weed anymore. For weed? Yeah. I, at this point, I've been smoking weed for so long that I don't even think it's, I just like the whole act of smoking it. Like I don't even really care about getting high. Like I already know I'm going to get high. The inhalation is like very relaxing. Like the whole setting everything up and like, yeah. Social just, caviar to like be able to roll a joint and whatever. But that's, yeah. Thanks for sharing your story, dude. Do you have anything else that you want to add about like being a drug dealer at large? Like... I don't know. Um, some hope for the kids. If you're going to go down the route that I chose, definitely have some money put away for when shit happens. And I don't say if, I say when, because it's going to happen, whether you think you're slick or not. It's <laughs> That's just what it is. I don't want to seem like I'm on some like, yeah, don't do this. I mean, like, yo, if you need to do that, fucking do it. Like, I'm like, get your paper however the fuck you want. Bitterflies out here, yeah, all condoning. It, it's not all glitz and glamour. Be careful, but have fun. Exactly. Well, thanks for being on, Steve. This yep. is some real shit. This was a very enjoyable episode. Um, and I'm glad that you're not doing that anymore. I'm glad I'm not doing that either. Uh, this is just crazy that I even went and like said all this, but yeah, I just got caught up with the whole thing. Yeah, everything was straight. Um, if you're ever thinking about getting on Bitter Butterfly, it's a safe sound. It's all good. <laughs> it's a hella chill vibe. All right, everyone, check back next week for more Bitterfly. Bitterfly.